Welcome to Get It Done Entrepreneurs, where we talk with founders of companies who bet on themselves in one. My name is Rich Lebrun, and I am the founder and CEO of Lebrun Advisory Group. You can find us at rlebrun.com. Our mission is to help our clients build wealth through business ownership. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. With that said, let me introduce you to our special guest today. It's Dave Cheatham. He is the founder of Velocity Retail Group. Dave is an accomplished authority on retail real estate in the disciplines of brokerage, project leasing, development, consulting, and advisory services. He is a senior advisor to merchants, entrepreneurs, investors, and senior retail executives throughout the industry. He has helped shape the corporate real estate policy for many of the national top retail brands. His extensive client list includes companies such as JCPenney's, Hobby Lobby, Aldi, Gap, Darden, Signet, and CVS Pharmacy. Additionally, he is known to excel in executing multi-store rollouts for retailers who are making an initial market entrance. With more than three decades of experience, his sphere of work has endured multiple growth cycles and several severe declines, which we're going to get a chance to dive into that mm-hmm. in knowing our economy where we are today. Dave has transacted more than $3 billion of real estate transaction, has been the mainstay for leading negotiation techniques that support the strategy for a retailer's store distribution. Beyond his unique combination of corporate experience as a senior VP at CB Richard Ellis and a managing principal at the Starbucks company, Dave has been nationally recognized for his award-winning innovations in strength-based teaming and the application of technology to manage transactions. He was recognized on the cover of Shopping Centers Today magazine for his commitment to mentoring and growing younger leaders in the industry. He is frequently asked to provide insight commentary for industry groups, forecast events, and to present specifics about retail market to corporate executives of various industries. For two years, Dave served as a president of X-Team Retail Advisors, a leading real estate brokerage firm serving the world's premier tenants, landlords, developers, and owners. X-Team Retail Advisors has proven expertise in over 40 major markets throughout the United States and Canada, and Dave lives in Phoenix, Arizona, a nice, warm, and hot and sunny area. With all that said, welcome, David, to the show. Hi, hey, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for taking time out of your busy day. That, I, I could have gone on and on about your resume here, but I figured that was a good good uh, introduction. You have a, a wealth of knowledge in this industry. Well, I appreciate it. And as we talked before the show, you know, I come from a background of commercial real estate, not necessarily uh, an expertise in retail, but in real estate in general. So we have a lot in common here to talk about. But I'm curious if we can start out. You started Velocity Realty Partners, is that correct? And how yeah, long? Velocity, yeah, Velocity uh, Retail Group. Velocity Retail Group. How long ago did did you start? How long ago did you start that? So we started out as a team within a major, you know, company, the largest real estate company in the world, CV Richard Ellis, and. Uh, then it just, we eventually ended up leaving. And, and one correction I make is I have a partner uh, that's been my partner for 25 years. So we co-founded the company together, Darren Pitts. Um, and we really left CB in 2005. So we had, an, we had another partnership that uh, joined us in 2005. And then in 2009, we dissolved, dissolved that and just kept going. 
Okay, so you're working for one of the top firms in the in the world, actually. Uh, you know, right out of college. Right, right out of college, great job, right? Great opportunity. Couldn't find a better company, really, except for yours now, right? There you <laughs> to go. Work for. Um, 2005, the market's hot. You know, it was still that before that 2008, and you uh, jumped ship. So tell us what, what was going on. What was some of the thinking? Uh, why did you decide to go all in at that time? Well, I was raised on the in retail real estate. When I got out of college, I was hired at 23, came right out of college, had two mentors that were really special in my life and that kind of taught me the business. They left the company. I stayed at CB, eventually became one of the top producers in the world for the company and um, and kind of had a, you know, was blessed through that process. But as I went through the process, there was times I would get frustrated with a large company because I didn't have I couldn't be nimble. I couldn't hire people that I wanted to hire. It was always, you know, everything was, you know, being measured, you know, it was kind of the lowest common denominator. Everything was about fairness and whatever. So if I'm like, well, I want to do this, I didn't have that. So there was multiple times and that I kind of looked at, Hey, do I need to make a change? And then in 2005, a friend of mine um, who worked with Roger Staubach came and said, why don't you run the Western United States, be a partner with us in the Western United States. So we started with Roger in 2005 and then when he sold the company we changed the name from Staubach Retail which was which is what what made our shift to Velocity Retail Group our old team name at CB and and uh, never looked back so is Roger Staubach part of this company too no we he, we were part of this in 2005 we joined at that time Staubach Retail and right. that was the name in our office but we were the managing principal and so when he sold his company to JLL, we didn't want to sell. And so we just took Staubach Retail off the wall and put Velocity Retail on the wall. Perfect. Okay. So 2005, uh, good timing. Again, market's hot, but you got a little uh, curveball coming your way in a couple of years. Well, that was the interesting deal is when we changed and, and he left and, and basically dissolved Staubach Company when he went to JLL. Uh, that was 2009. And if you remember what you do, that is not a great time to say, let's go start your company. <laughs> but yeah. it was like, you know, we were forged by the fire, basically. Yeah. Because um, you could have done, you could have joined JLL. You could have done some other things, right? You could, you probably could have gone anywhere and named your, named your price to go anywhere you want. You were that successful. Um, did you have second second uh, doubts about that, or you were just like I'm 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 there I'm ready to go all in? No, you know. Well, I mean, I remember the night that Darren and I we were his son had a birthday party, we were over at his house, and it was a small deal, and we just like you know what what are we going to do? Because they wanted us, they were going to go for him. There were some different things going on, like they wanted us to join JLL, they wanted us to do go a different direction, and we just decided no, we're just going to stay the course, and and it, and it was it was very uncharted waters from what was going on in the industry. So um, we just stayed the course and then we kind of ground our way through it, um, which turned out to be a great blessing. Looking back, was there any decisions that you made that you think you uh, could have done differently? You know what, um, not really. I mean, one of the things that that uh, is a differentiator for us that we're kind of really looked, looked at for is um, we hired a performance coach when we were at CB and he really got us to focus on, on building the strength-based teaming. So we had an amazing team. Um, you know, before we left CB, we were picked as the top retail team in the world for the company. And that team became kind of the, the, the small cadre that we were when we were with Staubach. And then that team became our company when we, you know, kind of 
disconnected from Staubach Retail. And um, we've never looked back. And we've got employees that have been with us. You know, one of our ladies that joined us, she's been here almost 25 years. Um, my partner, I hired as a young guy right out of uh, grad school. And he started off as just kind of like a runner and moved all the way up to be a full partner with me, Darren Pitts. Fantastic. Well, uh, maybe this maybe the answer is hiring and having a performance coach. But my next question is, is there any key decisions that you thought was really the catalyst to your success? You know, I think the when I was young and I and I was uh, dating a girl, I had a, a father. It wasn't a father-in-law because I didn't marry her, but I had a guy in my life that was really important. And he told me some of the things that made him successful. And he kind of mentored me when I was dating his daughter. And, and he taught me, you know, he just had a 90th birthday, but he taught me something that really has been kind of the, the foundation. And it's just always go the extra mile. And he gave me the examples and I've just never forgotten it where he got all these promotions and things that happened in his career because he always did that extra. And my partner feels that way. I feel that way. And I think that's the biggest differentiation for us just on performance is we're not perfectionists, but we're trying to always do a little bit more than they ask for. All right. So going the extra mile, I love, I love this saying. Can you define it? Give me an example. What would that be that would differentiate you out there? You know what? It started all the way. And this is kind of funny, but I always look at it this way. Like when I rolled back to the 80s and they invented the 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 um, the small computer, you know, when we basically we go, oh, we got a desktop computer. And then you're like, but when I started in the business, you got a typewriter. So then you're like, oh, we went to the computer and I'm like, wow, you can change fonts instead of Pica and, you know, whatever. And so right. we would go, wow, we're going to use desktop publishing. And then you go, hey, when we do a proposal, they now have color. So we buy a color printer. And then in retail, they go, this got this thing called, you know, um, GIS, geographical information systems and mapping. We're like, we're going to get that. And we just never change. So it could be anything from how we presented ourselves, you know, to our customers to if they ask you to do hey, can you do this way that we just try to do the extra job that's like, wow, that's impressive. You know, from presentations to, to collaterals to whatever, we just try to take it to the next step. Well, because you mentioned early on in the conversation, one of the reasons you left CB because you wanted to be more nimble. Sounds like you're, you're, now that you have your own company, you can be as nimble as you need to be to stay a step ahead or at least in, in step with technology and ways of servicing your customers. Absolutely. And one of the things that was kind of interesting in a big company, and, and there's so much that's changed in the world of HR, there's so much that's changed with this new generation, you know, that, that there's so much that has changed because what COVID has done, you know, changing America's mindset, you know, in a lot of cases, not to the better um, that we're seeing, you know, where these workers don't want to go back to work or, you know, everyone wants to stay home or, you know, flexible work hours, some of which are good, some of which isn't, doesn't help for prosperity. Um, but during this process, when we were with the big firm, everything was so structured. You're like, I want to hire a person. I'm like, well, you know, you got this overhead. We got corporate allocations and you, we, you know, talk to us again in, in October when we're making the decision for the future year and all this. Now I can sit there and do whatever I want. Um, that doesn't bring it, it brings another set of problems. It's now a lot of those issues that were handled by the firm are now handled by me. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that's one of the challenges. But I would definitely uh, make the trade. Yeah, yeah. I guess you get to live and die by the decisions, right? You're absolutely. The buck, the stops, thing, stops, buck stops at the top. Yeah. And the other thing that's kind of interesting is I have no, when you're building a team, one of the things that we do with our, the way, and my partner says this, you know, we're really look at our business like a sports team and most companies don't look at it that way. So you might say, hey, 
I, I drafted this person. We gave him a bonus. They wore the hat, put the shirt on, they got the accolades and they didn't even make it through training camp. You know, so we, we look at people and we'll change them out if they're not a fit. Well, typical companies, they're, they're almost evaluated like you have turnover, you know, but we're looking for the right person in the right position and the right chemistry. Um, if we don't have that, we'll change them out for somebody. And then we just slowly keep gathering these pieces. And then the goal is to keep the quality people that you have. Perfect. Let's take a little commercial break here as far as let's talk about your company. Uh, explain to our listeners maybe your services. Uh, again, we made a little redundant to your differentiator and who is your customer out there? So in case uh, they know somebody or maybe they themselves who are listening could utilize your services. So when I first got into business, um, most traditional retail business was just leasing shopping centers, you know, third party leasing. And then about 1990, there was a shift in the market where they started doing this thing on the residential side. You think of it as buyer's rep in our side. We look at it as tenant, tenant rep. And I started working some of the big boys, you know, like Sears and whatnot, and really became at the time there was a company that was doing a national expansion, you know, called, you know, Boston Market, Boston Chicken, that kind of deal. And that's where I kind of made the transition where a lot of my business was and, and our, our business is, you know, working with occupiers of space. So we really built a company that way. Of course, we do third-party leasing. And then as we grew our team, our emphasis a lot was working with, you know, occupiers of space. And then one of the things that they needed was we found is like sometimes there's no space there. So sometimes we need to build something for them. So we created, so our, our umbrella is Velocity Retail Group. It has three lines of business, property management, because we need to manage certain properties for people, um, brokerage which is broken up into two parts, both tenant rep and, and doing third-party leasing. And then lastly, we have a development services company and we call it development service. It's called Accelerated Development Services. We don't really call it a, a development company. It is a development company, but our focus wasn't just to go up Thailand and build things. It was really to work with those occupiers of space that said, hey, I went there and I need to be in this trade area, but there's nothing built. So we would go buy the land, build it for them, and then then lease it to them as a tenant. Um, so those are our, our, our three. And then we brought in a 35 year veteran to kind of run that Trey Aiken to run that part of the company. And we're doing development, you know, build a suit development. We built power center too, but we're doing build a suit development from here to Florida. So your resume reads national tenants. Uh, is that, is that, a, is there a certain size? Are you only looking for national tenants? Are you going to get that mom power retailer? is going to utilize your service or you have a certain cutoff? Yeah, see, we're not, the challenge, we're not, I'm not saying that we wouldn't do a mom and pop to help somebody out sometimes, but generally speaking, when I got in the business, everything was mom and pops and there wasn't. Today, it's really moved, as you know, like to franchisees, corporate, whatever. Our favorite thing that we do is what we call is rollout. So if you come in and you go, hey, Lowe's came into Phoenix 20 years ago, we represented them. We did 37 Lowe's, Lowe's deals in Phoenix, Oh, great. You know, mattress firm came in 20 years ago. We did 100 mattress firms here in Tucson and, you know, Utah. Um, when the second Old Navy, first Old Navy store was open, we did the second or third Old Navy in the world and have worked with Old Navy for 27 years. Gap, Banana Republic, Old Navy, um, you know, through that process. So we like rollouts because it's mm -hmm. a bigger structure. You come in and do the whole distribution, you do 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 stores. If you work with a mom and pop, you do one store and then you have to go replace that tenant. If you do a rollout, like we're doing a rollout now for Aldi and, you know, we've Aldi grocery stores out of Germany mm -hmm. and um, 
And so in that case, let's say, we, you know, in the last few years, we've done 20 stores for them and, you know, we'll end up over the next few years, Lord willing, doing, you know, another 20. Okay. So you could take a small footprint, but a big rollout. Yes. Okay. Okay. So in my pot shop, maybe not so. Maybe you do it for courtesy reasons, but that's not your primary business. I know you had headquartered out of Phoenix, but when these rollouts, do you do retail all across the country? Yeah, we're not. We, we Because of the build-a-suit business, you know, we've got an office in Dallas and we'll probably have to open a small little office eventually in Florida or, or Atlanta to cover the, the eastern you know part of the country. We like doing the smile states. So we, we're not really, we've done, we, you know, we're like developing in probably 10 states right now. So we've got a project going in Tennessee, multiple ones going in uh, Florida. We're real strong in Texas, Oklahoma, um, New Mexico. So we follow all the way across the bottom of the United States the, you know, the really growth states that are out there, but we're driven by where our tenants want to be. So we're not necessarily trying to say, hey, can I go cover all these states? If our tenant wants to be in that market, then, you know, and it's in kind of our sweet spot, that's where we handle. You do. Very good. Well, great. Well, you know, you're in, a, you're in um, an in the retail industry. Everybody uses the word retail. They kind of get this like oh, Amazon conversation going on, right? Sure. And we're all consumers of retail. So we see it and live it and breathe it every day. Um, we were facing headwinds. I mean, you started in 2005, hit the 2008 crash. I mean, you know, not very quickly thereafter. Here we are come 2000, you know, uh, 22, all the headwinds at one time. We, <laughs> generally, we get one or two, right? We get them all at one time. Right. So the question is going to be twofold, uh, maybe threefold, if you don't mind sharing. Where do you, where's the where's real retail industry going? That's a little the technical news I'd love to hear. Uh, how are you navigating as a company this crazy time? And then you as a founder, CEO, how are you staying focused? So let's say it's three-pronged question. So the first question is, which is my favorite question, is if, you know, I speak in a lot of panels, I do a few podcasts, and I write a lot of stuff for for uh, being the president of X team and, and just um, I'm requested to write certain things. But my favorite question is, basically the false narrative that's been out in the market that's been propagated for the last 10 years, which is retail is under attack and it's all about, and it's all about, you know, Amazon, Amazon, Amazon. And I always say the same thing. It's like that we, you know, when, when the internet came and everyone was registering domain names and, oh, we're going to be pet.com and, and, you know, shoe.com and all this stuff. And, and we've watched over the last 15, 20 years, and we've just watched each Christmas, you know, they'll come on and go, hey, you know, how much more went, you know, was done on the internet? Well, there's a couple of key points. Number one, they would always say it's bricks versus clicks. It's not bricks versus clicks. It's been proven it's not bricks versus clicks. It's been proven that, you know, the number one pastime in America is shopping. Um, it's hard to believe, but the Mall of America does more business and has more visitors than Disney World. Um, and so what's really happened, and, and COVID was a real help in this area, you have to, if you're the retailer, almost all retailers have to do both. So you have to have the ability to give your customer what they want, when they want it, the way they want it. So one day your customer may want to pick up their groceries in the parking lot because they got kids in the backseat. Another day they might want toilet paper delivered to the front door. Another day they want to walk into Costco and load up a cart. And, and I always use the example, a, a good example is like Panera. If you've ever eaten at Panera, they started off and you had just an experience, an in-store experience. Then they're like, oh, we're going to copy uh, Jimmy John's and we're going to deliver. And then they're like, we're going to add a drive-through. 
So they, their delivery is like Amazon. Their store experience is a store experience. And then they have what they call BOPUS. Do you know what BOPUS is? I don't. BOPUS is a, is a term that stands for buy online, pick it up, pick up at the store, okay. which, which is actually the most profitable way for a retailer. Because when you buy online and pick it up the store, there's like a very high percentage. I want to say it's like 70% of the people that buy online to go to the store to pick it up, buy something else in the store. The other thing that people don't realize, two things on Amazon. One, Amazon, about almost half of the people that order on Amazon are not buying from Amazon. They're buying from the mom and pop that's using their network to sell things. So when they're going Amazon, 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 they're really small businesses that are selling on Amazon and, they're, and Amazon's taking their piece of the pie. So they're benefiting you know, that, that platform to be able to do it. The other thing that's powerful um, when you go through this process with Amazon is it's very expensive. These millennials that order 10 things and when they return them, they get a, then Amazon loses money. So that's why you're starting to see on Amazon, like you might order something and you want to go return and they say, just keep it. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's like a small, maybe you ordered a cable and you go, Oh, it's $12. And they go, just keep it because it costs too much to return it. So mm -hmm. the, the real answer for retail is, and COVID proved this, you have to be good at both. And so COVID gave these retailers, they forced them into doing 10, seven, eight years worth of growth in like one year. So Target, who wasn't good at this, Walmart bought, you know, um, bought the company, um, I think it's jet.com or whatever to, to learn about how to do it. What did Amazon do? Amazon is, is one of the biggest occupiers of space. They bought Whole Foods so they could learn the grocery business. Mm -hmm. And then they're trying to do bricks and mortar, but you've seen them close a lot of concepts. Oh, we're going to open a thousand of these and 10,000 of those. And they open 10 and they close them because they're learning how to do bricks and mortar. Everyone mm -hmm. else is trying to learn how to be Amazon. You have to do both. Well, good. That's encouraging. Yeah. <clears throat> There's been some fallout, obviously, but, you know, we still see the big players out there. Um, and and, I, and I, we as consumers love the fact that they have figured this out. You know, the, the, the retailers have figured it out because we get the benefit by all of that. Well, and let me tell you, like in the 90s, we came up in the late 80s and 90s, we came up with the big box retailers and we called them category killers today. Mm -hmm. So you, you had too many concepts. So that's one thing you didn't need regional malls as close. Regional malls are a 50, 60 year old concept. So you're seeing retails always change. When Walmart came into the game, remember in the old days, when you got in the business, you had a grocery store and a drugstore. You might have had a grocery store and a Kmart. There was no power centers. And mm -hmm. so we went through all the power centers. Oh, Walmart's killing small towns. And you've watched everything change. It's always going to change for value, value, value. Um, yeah. And that's all you're seeing today. I do love the real estate world from that perspective. The, 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 we, they've always adapted, mold and shift. And, totally. and what worked, didn't work 10 years ago may work today. Um, okay, so that's one question. So how are you navigating velocity in in this with all these headwinds? I mean, is business going to slow down or is there great opportunities that you're finding? How do you see it? Well, not to be political, but when some of the things that they're focused on politically are a negative for our country, if you're not, if you don't have, it's, I'm all for, you know, environmental, I'm all for green, I'm all for whatever, but you have to have a plan that makes sense. You, so when, you, when you're not energy independent, that's a problem for America. Um, when people can't afford gas and things like that, you're crushing the economy. 
when you're trying to force everyone, you know, into batteries and when, when, whatever, before you can swallow it, it's where we need to go, but it's the time frame. They're compressing the time frame, which makes it, you got to let the market do it. So that's a negative that's, that's happening in the economy. Um, so when you get the market in trouble and we get inflation and then they try to raise interest rates, that's a wind that's, that's in our face. Supply chain has been, you know, the COVID thing on supply chain, we're too, we knew this, that we're too dependent on China. That's a negative to our economy. We have to be do more manufacturing here in America, especially things because it affects our defense. So those things are negatively affecting. I don't care if your office, whatever. What COVID's done is I look at COVID much like World War II was for um, the women that, re, that went to the workplace and Rosie the Riveter, the COVID got some moms out of the business that said, this isn't worth it to go to work every day. I like staying home with my kids. And I think there's 5 million women that pulled themselves out of the market. And then some people, they kind of learned a little bit of socialism, like, wow, it's great sitting on your butt all day and getting a check from the government. So that took some people out of it. And then some people just uh, adjusted where they're like, you know what? I don't want to be in this intense of a rat race. And that's changed some things too. And for us, like on a, a human resources thing, we really need people to sit near each other to collaborate. So the whole thing of like, hey, and I get the whole thing sitting at home, but it's just not as productive for most things in our industry if we can't be near the person. So that's a big challenge that we have. You have a generational change with the millennials and the generation Z where they think different and it's, do we have a ping pong table? And, you know, what are we having for lunch today? And, you know, or, or, you know, what are we doing for our birthday deal? And, you know, all these different things where we, you and I weren't raised like that. We're like, Hey, let's go to work and drive revenue. What's our life balance and, you know, work-life balance, which by the way is important. I get all that, but it's like, that's one of the cha challenges is like, you know, when you're trying to really build a, a strength-based team to be able to execute. Do you see when you wake up in the morning and reading, reading headlines of everything, a lot of those things you just mentioned, you optimistic, uh, you seeing there's still opportunity to find, you just need to adapt a little bit. Are you uh, time to, or is this time to retreat? Oh, no, I, 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 I've never, the only time I've ever been discouraged in the business was, you know, eight through 10 when the world just completely shut down. I, I'd never seen everyone just close the deal. Even during COVID, we grew revenue during COVID because when everyone else was relaxing, we look at it as the 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle. Like we've always known that 20% of the, you know, your clients give you 80% of the business. Well, when COVID hit, 80% of our clients that produced 20% of our business sat on the sideline. So we're like, let's focus really hard on the 20% that said, wow, let's go make, make hay when this is happening. And we actually doubled our business for the first time in our career, focused for six months, like crazy men in, in fear, but we ended up growing. And right now we, we, we're going to have a record year this year. Um, and our strength besides going the extra mile is adapting. You know, when the market went in the toilet back in 2008, nine and 10, all of our key time clients weren't expanding. So we, we shifted to other clients that were looking to expand. So no, I I'm, I'm optimistic. If I was pessimistic about anything, I'd be pessimistic about what's going on in our government and how they, you know, there's, you know, how they're handling things, which I think is, you know, totally misappropriating our, our kids' future and, you know, piling on debt and things like that that put us at like real fundamental risk. Things like that are what scare me. Um, mm -hmm. But the real estate industry always, always evolves. So um, we just look at how to adapt. You know, and the good news of living through 2008 and COVID, you know, we got more tools in our toolbox. And uh, sure. 
we got more history to things that worked and didn't work. So uh, adapting is key. The so last question was, how you as a person wake up? You are a CEO. You got to be the one stand in front of your group, lead the charge. What keeps you focused? You have mentors. Are you re are you an avid reader? Uh, do you uh, how do you stay on, on on target? You know, I that was the other thing I told you about the mentor that when I was a you know youngster just in college, and he was always pushing me to listen to these. You know, in those days, you know, the cassette tapes and you know the series Brian Tracy and all these people. And I'm an, my dad taught me to be an avid reader, so I, I'm. A, you know, my big addiction now is besides audible.com where I listen in the car is uh, YouTube. And there's so many different things that I can learn. And I've kind of like, de you know, devolved from the news. I don't watch the news anymore. So I take all the negativity out of my, my life. And then the big thing, you know, being a 60 year old and after doing this for literally 38 years is what, how do I design my life where I get to do only that thing that I'm good at? And then hire other people that are better at the other things instead of, you know, and, and me, I look at it more like I write the music and then I have the people that play the music and then I want really talented players and then I'll do some direction, you know, like, you know, as a conductor. Um, and that's what gives me kind of joy. I love it. <clears throat> I love it. I always believe in the University of YouTube. Uh, uh, it's just amazing how much wealth and knowledge we get out, out there and people are willing to share. Uh, just like you're doing today. So uh, before we head out, uh, I want to ask you, how can our listeners get a hold of you? Should they be someone that would fit uh, your your customer? And uh, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, my phone number is 602-682-6060. Um, our website, we're at velocityretail.com. Um, and uh, yeah, if, if somebody has something they think that we can bring value to, we'd love, you know, love to hear from them. And well, David, I guess on behalf of our listeners, uh, I always want to say how grateful I am for uh, people like yourself who take time out of your busy day to share uh, your insights, uh, both of how you started your business as well as what's going on in this world today. So thank you for uh, being on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You have a great week. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Thanks. Rich LeBron here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Get It Done Entrepreneurs. If you are a successful business owner who would like to be on this program, please visit us at rlebrun.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form and we will reach out to you. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show, include the hashtag Get It Done Entrepreneurs. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, rlebrun.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.